0: All right, guys, working class on DeerCast episode 42. I even looked before we got going, so I knew. Um, Brian Weiss is joining me this week. What's up, brother? Hey, not much. How about yourself? Oh You've been busy. We've been busy, but busy good, you know, Not, uh, not busy bad. There's definitely a difference, so.
1: Yeah, you just got back from Africa, it looked like.
0: Yeah, it was. Every bow hunter has to go one time. That's my perception on it now.
1: So was that water buck, like, you know, it said, you said SCI goal. I don't, what does that mean?
0: So I don't really even know, like, you know what I mean? We're so familiar with like Pope and young Boone and Crockett, like scoring systems that a lot of those animals I'm asking our pH, which you have to have a pH sit with you because otherwise you don't know what you're hunting or what you're shooting, you know, and like they all look big to me. You know, so a big water buck comes in. I'm like, I don't know, that looks big. Or, you know, the first one I did see, I was like, hey, is that a big one? He's like, no, that's not big at all. And I'm like, oh, well, it looks big to me, you know, because they're, <laughs> they're a bigger animal, you know, like, I don't know, 600-ish pounds, maybe, 550, something like that. Oh, wow. um, yeah, that water buck that I ended up shooting, he's like, that's a really big one. But they also, they're good at, like, not getting you super excited. It'd be like if you had a guide with you, or if you were guiding a new whitetail hunter and a 190 walked out. You'd have to be like, Yeah, that's a big one. Um, we should probably shoot this one because if you were like, It's a super giant, you gotta shoot it, don't mess it up. <laughs> You'd then, be shaking, <laughs> yeah. So they're pretty good at doing that. Um, my sable, and my water buck were like, From what they tell me, it's like killing a 200 inch whitetail. Oh, because so, my, wow. my ph knew whitetails as well. He lives in Texas, and the off well. What he considers the off season, so he comes back to the states and lives in te- Texas in the summer when it's summer there. It's winter over there right now, so he's over there guiding hunts and stuff like that. So he knows whitetails. So he was putting that
1: that in is deal. wild the way it kind of curved forward, you know?
0: Yeah, they're like a, a mystical wizard horse. Is <laughs> <It's laughs> what they look like when they walk around. They're crazy looking. uh, we We're joking around. They have like a purple aura when they walk around. <laughs> really they they don't that's cool they don't really but they carry themselves like so proud and confident and just it's hard to explain until you see one man you gotta go you definitely have to go
1: so what's the strategy i mean i've never like what do you do are you just sitting water holes how does that work
0: yeah so this time of year it's like you basically look at the water like it's your food plot because it's there's not a lot of food there right now all the leaves are up the trees and bushes and everything and they have to drink water you know it's still even though it's winter it was getting like mid-high 90s during the middle of the day so once you hit like 10 11 noon one o'clock everything would it had they have to drink so um yeah you basically depending on what you want to hunt you kind of have an idea what's in the area just how you would pick a tree stand or a ground blind um You know, if you know there's a 160 over there and 130s over here, you're going to try and go where the big boys are living. Um, And about when you think they they got a drink and um, they all had pretty good ideas. Like, oh yeah, like a kudu normally hits water about 1030, you know, like that's their drinking time. Like estimated, you never really know. Mm -hmm. Um, So water was like the main strategy. And then I guess, you know, you're playing the the odds a little bit too, just like in whitetail hunting. You know, if you want to hunt a 180, you're not going to see a 180 every sit. So um, you're going to see a lot of smaller ones and waiting out for that that big one or or a mature one, you know, so. Do you
1: sit all day or how does that work?
0: We did, um, we'd sit from, we actually, we wouldn't get out there right at daylight. We'd get there, I don't know, 7.30. So, cause nothing really hits the water real, real early. Um, once the heat starts getting up, then they start hitting the water. And then we'd sit to, we'd sit to about two o'clock get a quick lunch or we'd skip lunch or bring a lunch and then sit all the way till dark and it'd get dark about 6 30 there so um long long, long sits but it was fun you gotta go how long
1: was your flight
0: oh geez long uh i think we had 45 hours in travel with layovers on the way back on the way there i wasn't really feeling that great so I kind of <laughs> had that where I'm like counting every minute of the flight, you know, like in the long flights, they have that monitor in front of you mm-hmm. and it tells you how much time you have left. I was like counting the minutes down. So on the way there it was way worse. And I was like, this better be worth it.
1: And you're trying to sleep to where you're going. So you don't have jet lag.
0: Oh, it's yeah. The travel's not fun. And we were all like this trip better be worth it because if it's not worth it, this sucks. Um, it's well worth it. You, you definitely have to go. I'm telling you, if you're passionate about bow hunting, you got to have that, like, Africa experience, you know? It's just... I think it's something every bow hunter needs to have.
1: What's the neatest animal you saw?
0: The sable are pretty cool. They're hard to beat, man. Sable, uh, kudu are pretty cool. I'm just interested in all of them because they're so new. They're so different from what we're used to. So, to me, nice. it's just so interesting. And it's cool to, like, talk to the PHs. It's like, they know... I don't know how many planes game there is like 30 something species. They have to know them all really well because they're professionals, you know, um, they know every animal. Like we know white tails. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's a guy
1: from Texas. was pretty impressive.
0: He, he was the coolest dude. Cause you, you can sit there, you're in the blinds and it, it's, you know, you sit in the back of the blinds, it's dark and they're pretty quiet in there. They kind of keep in the sound so you can whisper and talk and, um, I think about the end of the trip, he's just like, "Dude, will you shut up and quit asking me questions?" He wasn't really, but I d- I did ask him. I'm like, "Are, are you getting annoyed with me?" Because every question, you know, animal come out, i be like, "Hey, tell me about these." Like, you know, explain. I want to know all the details. Just how we do whitetails, you know, we're we're infatuated with them. So that's how I was trying to be with all the African game. It's fun.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. The time go by, and you know, learning yeah. something new and. there anything you learned strategy wise that you can take back and maybe bow hunting whitetail something that you learned or a tactic that
0: you know it's there probably is you know if I combed it down and 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 thought about it more and pick something out but like the basic I, I have a hard time sitting in ground blinds on the ground because like your visibility and I just lose interest if I'm whitetail hunting and I find myself like not really being as hyper focused as I would be from an elevated sit um they taught me how to sit on a ground blind even though you can't see 360 around you you know it's that'd be the probably the most exchangeable hunting tactic that i learned but mm-hmm. um you got to go if, oh, I'm, we're going again you're coming with yeah. how's that uh, yeah let me know when you're going one we're, of these days and you did
1: it with a young kid at home too that's i'm sure tough too
0: It is tough, but, you know, we're gone 10 days and like there's Wi-Fi at camp, but we're wanting to go back and do a working class bow hunter camp so listeners can come with us and we're going to put together like a really affordable package because it's not like expensive how people think, you know, it's not 30 grand like everybody thinks like Doug, one of the co-hosts, someone messaged him, was like, how much did you have on that trip? 30 or so, 25 or 30? And he's like, no, not even like.
1: I would have guessed that.
0: No, not even, not even close. Like you're sub five thousand dollars for five. A. Oh wow. Like you're spending wow. more on your tips because you want to the people over there are so awesome. You want to tip them in your mm-hmm. flight. And we procrastinated on our flight. We could have saved our flight was sixteen hundred dollars when we first looked and we were kind of hem hawing seeing if we were going or not. We weren't sure what going what week. They were like 750 bucks for flight. Oh wow. They're in back. So we could have wow. saved a lot more money, but for five animals, it's almost a thousand an animal. Very affordable. That's
1: affordable. And then coming back, do you have a lot of expense and that sort of a thing getting them back home? Or...
0: So it's up to you. You can either, uh, you can either mount it, mount them there, and with the exchange rate, it's about half price. Um, and then they crate them and ship them over, and that's the quickest way to get your animals back. Or you can. Uh, what's cool about who we went with that taxidermist is friends with our taxidermist here and our taxidermist here does African animals and can do the shipping and all that. So we don't really have like that middle man brokerage deal. And that's going to be the cool thing. But if listeners go with us, so we could have just had everything cleaned and salted and all that, and then shipped to our taxidermist and then mounted in the States. Um, but we're leaning. It's we'll get the animals back quicker. We're not putting the pressure on our taxidermist with, you know, a, 25 animals to get them done and right. we want them back quick you know because it'd be two years before it'd be a year before he even got them and then you know another year year and a half two years for him to get through all those animals on top of the whitetails and turkeys and all, all that right. stuff that old barn all does right. so we opted to just get them mounted there and then they crate them all custom sized to that and then we all split the cost of the crate so awesome. yeah yeah but, that's so cool it's awesome, man. You got to go. But enough talk about me. We're not here to talk about me and my trips and stuff like that. That's interesting. It, you got to go. I'm just telling you, right. I will keep you in the loop next, next plan. I'm hoping 2024 we can get a big group to go. Because um, if you're going to go, yeah. you want to go with people you can hang out with and have fun, you know?
1: Absolutely. That's the funnest part of camp.
0: Oh, yeah. it is. It, everything about the whole experience minus the travel was incredible so awesome yeah get people's wheels turning a little bit on it but
1: and we love hunting water holes here at home it's been a big deal for us the last couple of years so
0: has it really oh, yeah. What's, what turned you on to hunting water holes for whitetails drought yeah right <laughs> drought. Okay. you makes know sense. We've,
1: we've had a big drought the last couple of years and so we've been putting water holes in our food plots actually Oh last really. Year, Yep, I got, uh, my buck in Nebraska was right on a water hole on November 7th, and it was like 80 degrees that day, and I felt confident because of the water hole, and there's no water uh, between me and the food, and so his closest water is actually a food plot that didn't grow, but it had a water hole.
0: So how how are you putting a water hole in it? Like, can you break down, like, how so, you So, like,
1: it? Tractor <laughs> Supply has, like, 110-gallon tanks, and we just... This one was actually above ground. I just, I didn't have time to dig it in the ground. And so we just set it above ground and filled it up. There's a cattle tank not too far away on my stepdad's place. Mm -hmm. So we filled up, you know, one of those tanks I could put in the back of the truck and just filled it up every couple
0: of months. No kidding. So you're already ready to hunt Africa. It's like almost, I mean, they'd have like concrete pits for them and pumps to get the water there, but, um, no kidding above just a raised. Cattle. Yeah,
1: it was nuts, and and to think that it works. I mean, it worked. It was just like a food plot draw, only it was a water tank. Great for pictures. I mean, yeah, it was. We we almost have water tanks at almost all of our spots now, because we. Wow, grown, that's you know, interesting. That great addition.
0: See, I've never i've I've hunted near water before, but never like on a pond specifically for that for with whitetails. I've never. Um, I see guys put in similar to what you're saying that they'll kind of dig down and put like some, I don't know, like kind of like this and and mm-hmm. number with dirt and then fill it with water. And I seen guys dig and bury tanks and stuff like that. I personally never done it. I wonder if that's something I'm majorly overlooking.
1: Well, and we're farther West too. It's, we don't get as much rain as you do either. And so it might help us more than, you know, maybe where you guys are farther East, get more rain. Yeah. At the same time, you know, if, if it's on the edge of your food plot it's not hurting anything anyway right and so if they are thirsty it might be that one mm-hmm. extra thing put it at 40 yards at the other side of your food plot and it just might be the thing that gets them in range
0: yeah that's that's yeah it's overlooked because you guys are where are you guys at i mean you don't got to say the town you're in but you're in nebraska <laughs> it's all
1: right yeah nebraska yep yep so both Cody and I mainly hunt nebraska we do a lot of hunt in South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana as well, mm-hmm. um, both both sides of the state, Nebraska as well. So, we have some hunting out in the panhandle where we we'll do some mule deer hunting. Uh, this year, I have an antelope tag and a cow elk tag, so that's pretty awesome.
0: All for Nebraska?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Nebraska actually has some, you know, world-class elk hunting, believe that.
0: It's so oh. overlooked. I feel, I feel because we did the uh, Nebraska big game show the last couple of oh, yeah. years. You know, we actually yeah. saw you there. That's where we met. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Um, and you see some of the elk around and you hear people talking about them. Like, I feel like Nebraska is pretty slept on a lot. It's overlooked a lot.
1: Well, it's for residents and landowners for the te- uh, elk tags. And so, non residents, you can't have a tag.
0: That's fair and for so you that's
1: guys. Why. Yeah. I mean, it's a lifetime tag if you're a non landowner. It's a once in a lifetime tag, and so it's it's a coveted tag, hard to get. But I have friends across the state that get them every year and kill some giant bulls.
0: No kidding. And then, do you chase a lot of muleys in Nebraska usually, or is it? I mean, what's preferred there? Because there is muleys more western end of the state, but like
1: yeah, so we're in like the transition country essentially. So east end of Nebraska is all white tails. As you head west, it transitions into mule deer, and where we hunt out in the panhandle, it's 90 95 percent mule deer then you'll get some whitetails down in the river bottoms uh we have a crp field that i saw a whitetail on last year that was you know 110 inch whitetail um but it's mainly mule deer out there and nebraska has you know mainly whitetails to the east and then mule deer to the west and Mm -hmm. that's what's fun about the state you know is we can hunt a diversity and a Diversity of uh tactics as well, so it's it's fun yeah. and it makes you a well-rounded hunter as well.
0: You see, hearing that makes me wonder. Like, I love Illinois. Like, I think Iowa, Illinois, debatable. Like, the king of whitetail states, right in the country mm-hmm. for for the most part, right? There's big deer everywhere, really nowadays. Um, but it, like hearing you say that makes me like, man, Nebraska'd be cool. I always think like, if I ever moved like South Dakota, you know, you get East River, West River. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mule deer. There's- I love South Dakota. Yeah. Amazing state. You know, I got some great friends that hunt up there and, you know, you go to their trophy room and it's like divided all big East river, whitetails, like just how we kill in Illinois. And then the other side is all big West river muleys. And it's like, Mm -hmm. man, that is, that opens up the door for so much opportunity if you live there and it kind of makes you a really well-rounded bow hunter, being able to stay in your state and drive a few hours and almost being a different completely airy Absolutely. You
1: know? a lot of those guys will spot and stalk and the next day sit in a tree stand all day you know yeah. it's 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 amazing a lot of those guys are really good hunters because they're hunting a diversity of, of methods and yeah Disney, i love south dakota it's one of my favorite states it's not my favorite deer hunting state
0: yeah there's just so much but that's a good point you know if you could you could almost split up your like if the and slow the movement slow you're like all right well i'm gonna spot and stock for four days until something changes or mm-hmm. a, a cold front comes in or whatever i'm gonna go back to sitting in this funnel in my tree stand and then i'll go spot and stock like I'm got of i'm jealous of that really when you, when you think about it because that's that keeps yeah. you fresh i think
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know and there's a time and a place for all of it right nothing mm-hmm. You know, I love tree stand hunting, but sometimes it's nice to get out in the dirt and start walking and see what yeah. you see, and uh, it's, it's fun. All of it is.
0: Yeah. So w- you said you're going to Wyoming this year. What's the game plan for mm-hmm. Wyoming?
1: Yeah, so we're going to be hunting Central Wyoming. I've been hunting Eastern Wyoming, but I did not get a tag drawn this year, and then I was lucky enough to get a leftover tag. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to a place I've never hunted before, and, you know, essentially we'll be hunting – there's this uh, kind of like a river or creek bottom with some pivots around it. And so it'll be very open country. Uh, the hills around are just, you know, big dry hills essentially. And then mm-hmm. the white tails down that go, you know, to the food down in the bottoms. And so it'll be a lot of ground blind hunting, I suspect. Um, yeah. You know, we'll scout and try to set up on something the next night, essentially, is what we're going to do. So I've never been here before um so it'll be a learning experience as well
0: that'll be cool to see you guys kind of figure that out because you got to figure it out quicker you know, be limited time but when does season in wyoming open so september one
1: um our cow elk tag and antelope season starts in nebraska uh actually next weekend cow elk's actually in oh, now it's coming so fast. we're going out next weekend cody's got a an, uh, bow antelope tag um i have a cow elk tag and then we probably won't head out to wyoming until probably the maybe you know like the third fourth fifth somewhere in there yeah depending on what's going on if we have a big deer showing up at home we're going to hunt that deer at home but if we mm-hmm. don't we'll probably head out west you know that you know middle of the first week second week and yeah and uh go hunt out there
0: man that's crazy to think like the summer's gotten away from me like season's opening for you guys next weekend but like, you're gonna be next hunting-
1: week gotta love it and it's different you know when you're you know you're illinois iowa you're used to october yeah and uh that's one of the things i like is early season i love early season september 1st to the 15th is some of my favorite
0: times see and that i don't ever get to hunt whitetails that early you know i've never you know i'm going i'll be elk hunting in wyoming about the same time you said you're going Mm but um i've always wanted to kill a velvet whitetail and i could you know it's nebraska's not that far i'm sure i could go and Figure that out, or go to one of these, like you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, where season opens early. I know there's an opportunity to kill velvet whitetails there, but um, that's got to be awesome. You're, you're still catching these deer on almost a summer pattern at that point, right? Or it's probably re- just about to change there. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, where we hunt Eastern Nebraska, September one is basically when it changes, and very you'll get a couple of smaller bucks that seem to hold velvet, maybe a big buck here or there. Most of the time, September second, third, velvet's gone. Mm-hmm. When you go to like Wyoming; it seems like they hold it for a, a week longer. Or so, and yeah. So, if you want to kill a velvet buck? I would tell you Wyoming's your best bet.
0: Really? What do you prefer? Do you prefer? Because there's this debate with one of my buddies who's a big mule deer guy. He hates velvet. He hates it. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool because I don't ever have the opportunity. It's it's more foreign to me, I guess, or special. Mm-hmm. How are you? Because you kind of. You're on that line, right? Uh, yeah, I like, the, I like
1: different, right? So yeah. I like, you know, velvet deer. I've shot two. And I will say this with the velvet is, when you're dragging that deer, man, you have to be so careful. That's very easy to damage. And that would, to me, that's one of the disadvantages to hunting velvet deer is you, you really have to be concerned with the velvet. And so yeah. uh, it's fun. You know, I like it all. Um, yeah. summer pattern hunting to me is a lot of fun scouting I me mean, you feel like you know, you, you're hunting one particular deer most of the time mm-hmm. and so he comes out there's a lot of uh build up and a lot of fun for
0: those yeah hunts. what what are you looking forward to the most coming in you know let's go september 15th and up till now i mean you have you guys have a lot kind of crammed in mm-hmm. in just a few weeks span here um so, I, how are you focused on one thing over the other? Are you just rolling with the motions? What's the game plan?
1: We roll with the motions. Uh, you know, we're going to hunt MRI, and uh, yeah. if we have, you know, we have antelope showing up on a waterhole, that's where we're going to go. If we have deer showing up at home, that's where we're going to go. If we don't, we'll head out west and 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 try bow hunting, you know, uh, in Wyoming. And so it just yeah just depends what we have going on. And, <laughs> it's uh, good to
0: have options, I guess. At that point, right.
1: Well, it's hard because, you know, you got to fit work in there. and So you got to fit family work, all of that thing, you know, those matter. And so we'll yeah. do it in two, three to three day stints. Uh, a lot of nights driving through the night just so we can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. But it's what we live for. We live for
0: well, I for think it. that I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that a lot of guys will be like, you know, they watch you on, on jury, you know, and they're like, well, he's got all month off or, or whatever. And I feel like. <laughs> People who don't really look into it don't realize it's like, no, he has he's you're making sacrifices from work and family to get the time and you need to be successful. And I feel like a lot of guys will watch, um, you know, for lack of a better term, TV hunters. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that because it's not what it is, I guess. But and just think that all they're doing is hunting. And then when you work in the hunting industry, it's all just rainbows and butterflies and all you do is hunt that's not yeah. true
1: <laughs> no there'll be a lot of nights so where i hunt where i grew up hunting is a two and a half to a three hour drive from where i live mm-hmm. and so like especially november hits if we got a good you know good set of mornings coming up i'll leave my house at one two in the morning we'll hunt the morning till 10 11 i'll drive home work from noon one o'clock until six, seven. And I'll do the same thing three or four or five days consecutively just so I can bounce and be home at night with the kids. I can be at work and Cody and I can be in the stand those mornings.
0: See, that's, that's figuring a way I need to, to just get it done because there's a lot of people not willing to do those things that are so quick to judge you on making sacrifices and putting in a little bit of extra hours to make you make your hunting happen.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a it's hard on the body and it's it's mentally tough. But man, it's just what what we live for is what I love to do. And so early season, it's funny, it's opposite because I will work in the morning and then the evenings I'll head out. You know, noon one o'clock, we'll, we'll do an evening set. I'll drive back to work and do the same thing the next day. You know, and so it's, yeah, it's it's a balance and it's uh It's hard on the family. Um, yeah, so. That's part of it too. And you have kids and all the dads out there know what I'm talking about. So mm-hmm. I really try, try to uh, and that's what I love about deer so much is you you hunt the days that matter. And so if if there's a day that is marginal, I'm not gonna hunt it. I'm gonna spend time and be, you know, very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Purposeful and yeah. spending time at home and at work. And then those so, days that are great will be out. There.
0: That's a good point too, because I think, you know, a lot of people use deer cast for that reason. And then it gets judged. I'm not going to let a nap tell me when and when not to hunt. Well, it's like, it right. makes you feel better. And I don't, I don't, I feel like this weird guilt, if I'm not hunting and I feel that I should be, I'll have like this distraction in my brain of like, oh, I should be out there, but I'm at home, even though I'm having a good time with my kids and my family, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of have that, like, I uh, should be capitalizing on this. And that bucks going to move by. Cause I'm not there where I feel like deer cast will help me relax and just enjoy what I'm doing other than hunting that night. You know what Absolutely.
1: I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred
0: yeah. percent. Did you, did you um, struggle it, with that before?
1: You know? Yeah. You know, you've always heard it, You can't kill them on the couch. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. you spent a lot of not pointless, but non-purposeful days hunting, especially in that November timeframe yeah you know and if we don't have mri and we don't have deer cast weather front anything like you know there's no point in hunting uh, mm-hmm. i mean there is it's, it's there a is. great time but when you have work-life balance you have to balance that and those are the days that that you just stay at home and yeah. be family driven uh,
0: i feel like what we're talking about i don't know what you want to c- categorize it as but that's like in my opinion the number one deer cast like selling point like Mm-hmm. But and I feel like you're gonna get your hard ass guys that are gonna be like, "Screw that! I'll see my family when I get done." Oh, yeah. or they just don't get it, you know. Right. But I feel like that gets overlooked. I did that like before I had kids. I hunted mm-hmm. every time I could go hunting, and was probably causing a little more harm than I was doing mm-hmm. good for my hunting, especially when it counted. You know, that first good cold front in October, I already burn out a spot because I'm just thought the more I'm out there, the better not always the case
1: absolutely you know technology and you can look at it very many ways you know but it's it really helps you stay off your property and you don't realize it but when you're off of that property that big buck's going to show up more and that's probably the one thing i've learned the most over the last four or five years especially from the the team drury guys is those lessons that they learn You know, I used to be the same way at hunt every chance I got. And Mm -hmm. what you don't realize is, you know, that big buck's going to go nocturnal. And if you can, you know, watch your access, everyone says, oh, access is everything. And at first, I didn't quite grasp the concept. They literally mean bulletproof access. You can get in and get out with basically nothing, uh, seeing you, hearing you, smelling you. Mm -hmm. uh, You keep that pressure off. It's like right now, I've never had. On the the park, place I own, where I grew up, um, it's seventy seven acres, and it's not an early season spot. Typically, mm-hmm. once crops get in, they start coming in at big wooded bottoms, and I have a food pot. Well, for the first year and maybe ten years, I have an early season buck showing up. Oh, really? The kids named him Moose, and you know, so I might get a chance to hunt him, but most of the time, they're not there. And, mm-hmm. uh, we're we're really focusing more november
0: hunts uh, at that particular so i'm I'm, that's interesting because so i purchased my my wife and i purchased our first farm a 40 acre piece um and it's it's one of those spots i would explain it exactly like you just explained your spot like um we've only owned it for a few months now but it's one of those spots i'm just expecting it to be a late october november rut spot the the north end of it borders this little river um it's more of a creek than it is a river they call it a river um and i'm expecting deer to just run that and there's deer in there now you know i got a couple of good bucks on there but not like they're not living there you can tell um but i do have deer living there but it's i feel like it, a big buck spot late october november so i might have to get on the horn with you and kind of seek i don't know if yours is like a river bottom type ground or not it's just a small spring creek
1: bottom um there's not a lot of food around um but, you know, we plant knowing that it's probably going to be more of a October-November spot than I got you early season spot. Even mm-hmm. late season, it could be good. But at the same time, you know, the big bucks are there during the rut. You see. Yeah. So plant to that, right? Don't try to force uh, a rut property into an early season property or late season property. You know, make it the best of what it is.
0: You know? Yeah, make it optimized for how the deer are going to use it pretty much.
1: Absolutely. And I, I got a chance at this buck. He's been showing up. I mean, probably an upper 40s, five and a half year old deer, we think. Yeah. Nice buck.
0: Perfect um, buck to shoot, really.
1: Yeah. We got a chance at him. We'll see what happens here in the next few weeks. But uh, he's been around for the last month or so.
0: So his name's Moose. Moose,
1: my oldest son <laughs> named it.
0: Like, awesome. He
1: looks like a moose. I'm like, that's his name.
0: Yeah, perfect. So. The story of moose, will follow up and see if you can get an arrow in him. That's cool. You, so, you, that's a farm you grew up hunting?
1: Yeah. So, it was my stepdad's growing up, and he's starting to retire a little bit and asked if I wanted to buy any ground. And so, it's actually the second piece I'd ever purchased. I had a piece that I I purchased out west that is actually probably a better hunting piece, mm-hmm. but this particular piece has a lot of sentimental value. And right. actually, Kyle Lamores hunted off like turkey hunted with me. He calls it sentimental farms because he, he oh, cool. hunts there. He gets, uh, uh, he feels he gets gartholded. At, at it's the turkey hunting, but, <laughs> That's um, funny. you know, we killed turkeys on it this year. Um, I killed, uh, 150 inch five by five off of it last year. And
0: so, uh, um, awesome.
1: yeah. So, and that Very was cool. actually the one on the water hole. And so oh, it's really invented. neat.
0: Yeah. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm, I have one big plot that I, there's like a Creek. There is a creek on one of the farms that I hunt, but now I just want to see if I can just put a cattle trough out there and fill it full and shoot a deer off a cattle trough.
1: <laughs> it can't hurt you. You know, especially a lot of people pinch their plots, you know, 30 yards. At the yeah. end of that pinch, put a water tank. Well, Before you know what's funny
0: hurt. about that? There is an old, where my food plot is this year, the previous owners, they used to camp in the spot, and it just happens to be in a good spot. They had this old... They got a bunch of like big cobblestone rocks. So I have one circle in the middle of the plot where I might just get a tank that fits in the middle <laughs> of that and fill yeah. it full because <laughs> it's already for yeah. out. It'll look all fancy. So maybe hey. that's what I'll do. <laughs> I feel
1: like you're in Ireland driving. You see all the big stone walls you
0: know yeah well it's just a fire pit you know in a circle but i can see it now you know i'm gonna actually film a hunt for once and this big buck will be drinking out of this cattle trough and i'll shoot it and everyone will say i'm a high fence hunter and then then i'll work yeah it's like okay you'll
1: you'll get those comments and that's all right i had some person said that that's baiting when i shot that deer over the on water that's (laughs) nice thanks I, I mean, everyone has their opinion. That's great, you know. If he's a diehard, you know, <laughs> tree hunter hunting over acorns, I mean, he's everyone's dating. got their opinion. It's all
0: right. You know how many deer I have killed out of cut cornfields. What's right. the difference? <laughs> right, right. So, uh, oh, that's great, man. Like, do you guys get a lot of that? Do you see that being with jury and stuff like that? And you guys are obviously knowledgeable and successful hunters. Do you run into a lot of negative? comments and stuff you
1: know we don't because we're a little under the radar you know we don't have twenty thousand followers on
0: instagram yeah you're not under the radar though man you're on Uh, a
1: little bit you know um you know a few negative comments here and there but not nearly like some of the people do i mean yeah especially some of the gals on the team man they get it's it's
0: Roofing. i talked with taylor and mark about that too and I, I don't always like to bring that up but i'm trying to transition from being bothered about it to finding it comical do you know what i mean
1: i don't get it why can't people just be happy i mean if, tough, if you're man. successful that's awesome but it's it's yep. ego driven and you know it's, it's even within the state guys you know it's it's not yeah. a competition it really isn't
0: it's, it's you and it the deer or whatever you're hunting that's all what it is yeah
1: like success and, you know, size of deer and all that, you know, I I'm a guy I love to hunt. And so Cody has to call me off half the deer that walk by, I, <laughs> you know, and he'll tell you, it's so funny. He's like, no, Brian, no, Brian. I'm like, ah, you Dude, know, cause you I sound, just like being out there.
0: You sound just like me to a point. Like I like to kill big deer also, you know, if I can, but I just like to shoot. And I think it's fun. Like I sat with Doug when we were in Africa and Mm -hmm. everything that walked by i I filmed him one morning like hey you should shoot this he's like dude so he gets back to camp he's like don't bring kurt with you if he's filming because he'll try to talk (laughs) you into shooting anything that comes in i'm like i just it's fun i don't know sorry so i've
1: gotten better over the years but i'm telling you i you know size of the animal doesn't matter too much to me if it gets my heart pounding that's what matters
0: yeah, you and I would be a dangerous duo if we were Hunter cameraman because we'd just be tipping shit over left and right.
1: We wouldn't have any shortage of venison, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> right. We'd have a lot of footage for Mark and Terry you know, <laughs> and the guys, but they'd be like, Man, you guys gotta hold out a little bit. They call you I'd be like, hey, uh, what'd you shoot that deer for? <laughs> uh-huh. It got yeah. me excited. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I'm the same way. I but you could, you need that you need a, a partner like that that can be like, hey man, maybe don't, but but I know you like but Cody's Cody. great. Yeah. We got to get Cody's him. Great. I mean, yeah. He's great. You know,
1: he'll, you know, he really pays attention and he'll want it like in his hunts, you know, he's always after a certain deer or two and um, he's very cautious what he shoots. Mm-hmm. I think he likes the encounters more than killing something, if that makes sense. And yeah. so uh, that man, he's, he's a machine a great hunter, but he's yeah. good for me yeah because half the time we're together he's like all right Brian no
0: <laughs> yeah that's it's like uh he sounds like Austin Chandler to me my buddy you know Austin's very selective I'm selective I don't want to paint it that I'm not I am but and I know you are as well but uh I think we're talking about our inner monologue when we see someone come in and it's like "Ooh," you start licking your lips a little bit you're like shoot some arrows yeah absolutely.
1: <laughs> have some fun I mean that's what we're out there for
0: I'm you know, not there to watch a deer. I guess at the end of the day, um, I have
1: no shame in shooting a three-year-old. I mean, I, I don't. It's
0: <laughs> you know. awesome. I, so. you know, I, I kind of got to the point where I've I've killed a good pile of three-year-olds, and then now I'm like, okay, we need to, we need to level up here and get out of like get a bunch more deer in that five and a half-year-old, mm-hmm. one sixty class and up. And I'm doing my best, but man, All you right. can't You catch me on the wrong day. A good 125 runs by me fast enough, and I get excited. Yeah. He catches one of the lungs sometimes. Um, I'm trying to make those fewer and far between.
1: When you're managing your own ground, it's different, too. Um, You know, I've I've really tried to be more selective, and that's kind of one of the things I'm trying to do personally is just, be, you know, wait for that next age class and just be picky. And it really helps if you have pictures, you know, there's an, uh, a no name buck or an unknown buck coming through. It's a lot harder than if it's a, a buck you've had experience with. And, and I had that last year, a buck I named Lefty. I thought he was three real nice, probably 130 inch four by four heavy. When I first saw him, I thought he was the shooter and then realized who it was. And, and he gave me three or four opportunities throughout the season and uh, never shot him once. Mm-hmm. And and he actually got shot during rifle season and died a couple months later, had real mm. bad injuries and stuff. But, uh, um, but anyway, it, you know, he could have been my shooter this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so, well, do you feel with your own piece that you can manage? And, and this is kind of my perception. I've never had ground that I was like, I'm going to have this a really long time because it was always like a permission piece or, mm-hmm. yeah, you can hunt here for a couple seasons and then. It, was, it always felt so temporary to me, so I felt like any deer that was good, I had to take advantage of it yeah. versus, like, letting that three-year-old go to kill him, four- or five-year-old when he could put on another 40 inches. That was, that's but how I felt.
1: The guys who hunt, are, so our deer, roam a lot. Uh, I know a lot of, you know, books you read, you know, they say deer's home range 400 acres. I, to me, I swear it's a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I'm friends with a lot of the guys who hunt around and we will share pictures. And, you know, those guys are going to shoot what they feel like it. But at the same time, they're all trophy hunters as well. And so the deer I shot this year, two neighbors over was also hunting him as well and had mm-hmm. often. And, and I'm telling you, it's three quarters of a mile away. And, um, you know, it was transition zone on my property. He'd show up for two, three days, then be gone. Show up mm-hmm. in two, three days, be gone two weeks or whatever. And so, I bet you it was on his property more than it was on mine. After I shot him, he said, "Oh, hey, we were hunting that buck, this and that, you know." But yeah, you know, he was happy for me, and and same the deer he shot, I had on my property. I was happy for him, and that's to me, that's what neighbors should be.
0: A hundred percent hundred percent do you have the relationship are you showing trail cam pictures of deer or do you or is it the end of the season then the pictures kind of come you know, out
1: No, we do it's it's fun i haven't showed anybody pictures yet because no one's asked but honestly yeah. last year we were sharing back and forth
0: these yeah. a couple
1: of guys i trust um they're not going to come on mine i'm not going to come on them they're yeah. hunting fence lines right so you know right. they're gonna follow the law and, and i'm going to do the same and and you know they're getting pictures of the same deer i am
0: so yeah Isn't it funny? There's like, I don't know. I'm a little more open with sharing trail cam pictures now with people that I respect and trust, right? You have to, because there's a lot of people that'll try to screw you over trail cam pictures can ruin a lot of things um, from relationships to whatever else negative it can lead into. We don't even need to talk about it, but now I think it's better to share trail cam pictures with people you trust that might hunt in the same area because they can be like, okay, I know there's an opportunity if I if they don't don't already have pictures of it. Okay, there's big deer in the area. November fifth, November first, the buck that stayed there could end up a mile that way, and he could kill it. So maybe that'll keep them from passing or from shooting younger deer, knowing the opportunity for more mature deer is there. So that mindset hopefully would increase quality and mindset and everything for the area that you're in. So. Mm-hmm i think that's how you benefit
1: we rarely get deer over 150 and so you know if i had 170 inch or something or bigger out there i would be a lot more guarded
0: but yeah. like
1: the deer i'm hunting right now he's he'll be he'll be right close to 50 150 you know and
0: mm-hmm. i
1: mean yeah i hope one of the other neighbors shoot him. i mean he's a mature deer if i don't get him i hope they do you know
0: so. perfect deer to shoot at that point i mean It's interesting stuff. I mean, we could slice that one down a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah.
1: There are a lot of opinions out there, and and they're all right. You know, it's, it's, you
0: know, be you, right? For sure. Well, man, you got a lot to look forward to. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I think a lot to follow up on with you guys, with you and Cody, and see where everything goes. We need to get – what we need to do ah, – season's going to be tough. But after you guys get, once we get through into October, try to get you guys this way and have you guys both in studio for a couple of Absolutely. I I won't
1: be far from you sometime in the near
0: future, but yeah, it It makes me want, since I'm going to be in Wyoming, I I might just bring recording equipment with me. And then when I drive back through, I might just try and give you a holler because I'm happy and my hunt goes well and I'm feeling all chipper, you know? Mm
1: Yeah, heck yeah. I mean that you'll be driving right by us when you're coming back.
0: So yeah. That well, sounds like a fun hunt. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we'll we'll figure something out on my drive back and hopefully we all have animals down at that point and just a yeah. ton of stuff to talk about.
1: Yeah. We're gonna have fun. We might we might be killing time, but no matter what, we're gonna have fun.
0: Well, you're gonna be you're gonna be a tired man from work and family time and hunting and driving and all that. So um I'm glad we did talk about that though. I, I think that's important that people need to realize to do the things that you guys are trying to do and maintain a work life family balance. That's that really it's your option. That's the only thing you can do if you right.
1: want to Right. Especially as a dad and you you understand it too. I mean, you want to be there. And it's hard. It's hard, you know, it's hard on my wife when I'm gone. And so it's my job to be around as much as humanly possible. Yeah. At the same time, as soon as kids are asleep and man is asleep, I'll get on the road, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Cody and I will, you know, we'll do what we can.
0: Yeah. It's kind of funny, you know, it's like I kind of look at it that way too. Like the morning hunts, once it's getting good, it's like kids are going to get up and go straight to daycare or whatever anyway. And then uh, I can get my morning hunts in when the morning hunts are good. And then you feel a little bad in the afternoon until the time changes. You know, once the time changes, you're like, oh, I'm home for dinner and all night. Right. So gets a little easier, yeah, but yeah. what, what did we not cover? We covered a lot kind of quickly, but also in detail as a fun episode. Um, yeah. and this is going to lead yeah. us into more follow-up episodes, you know, but
1: you know, the biggest thing is just have fun, no matter what you're doing, be willing to try different things. Water holes have been uh, very good for Cody and I over the last couple of years. So this year it's a big focal point of ours. We've had a major drought in Nebraska more so than 2012 believe that and Mm -hmm. so we haven't found ehd yet um at the same time uh it very well could be there and we're just missing it Mm -hmm. Uh, at the same time uh you know those water holes are going to be key and we actually did just catch a rain on monday inch and a half planted food plots on saturday so i mean that's a great feeling yeah Uh, so we might have some food too this year that we didn't have last
0: good well, I like the water and hold tips. I think that's awesome. I think you're already prepared for Africa, and I'm mm. keep, I'm gonna keep you in the loop on the next trip. If we I have to go back, it's mm-hmm. you'll love it. I think you'll yeah. feel right at home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, be willing to try different things. You know, if you're a tree stand guy, be willing to try the ground blind. If you're mm-hmm. a ground blind guy, be willing to try spot and stock, You know, just uh, it's gonna make you a better hunter. If you're, you know, if you try different things and and yeah. have fun while you're
0: doing it Yeah, it doesn't hurt to be more well-rounded and do things out of your comfort zone i mean i feel like once you get outside your comfort zone in a hunting tactic i feel like you absorb it a little differently like first time antelope hunting in south dakota it's like i've never done anything like that right. so there's so much i mean there's really not a ton of terrain features in certain spots there is so you pick the tallest piece of grass and use that as your <laughs> as your or a fence post
1: or it's the weirdest thing ever, yeah, and it, it works. works.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can. It's funny how you kind of like, if you look at it from a distance, you're like that's never gonna work, and then you get into it, and then you're like, oh yeah, this, I'm gonna make this work. Think skinny. It's kind of funny.
1: You know, and and that's a good point. When in doubt, be aggressive. It's one of mm-hmm. me and Cody's mantras when we're hunting. And if you need to get an extra thirty yards, and the deer are looking at you or can see you, just go slow and do it. You know. Yeah, if that's what it's going to take to potentially get a shot. You know, that's what we did last year in Wyoming. Um, the, the deer could see us in plain sight. We had like a 2D doe decoy, and you yeah. Cody and I, you know, an yeah. inch of an hour, it seems, uh, just to be able to get a shot. So, yeah, I mean, you got to do it. And, and it ended up being
0: successful. So, see, that's even better. See, when you do stuff out of, kind of your normal comfort zone and you pull it off it's even better of a feeling you know so my
1: uh rifle turned into a single shot i lost my clip somewhere in there i get there i'm like oh man i got i'm digging through my bag to put a shell in the chamber (laughs)
0: that's awesome
1: (laughs) it was a memorable hunt we had a lot of laughs after that one
0: that's awesome man well i'm looking forward to see what happens here in the next i mean gosh dang you said ne- i mean yeah the next three weeks it's scary Like i leave for my elk hunt. two and a half weeks it's it's a problem it's i'm we're prepared right i'm more prepared than i think i am especially mm-hmm. shooting my bow the way i did the last few weeks but it just sneaks up on you and you're juggling life and you just i get i get anxious i'm like oh there's so much to do and there is there's a lot to do so
1: that first time of the year is a big deal you got an animal in the bow in hand i mean you have an advantage having shot your bow at an animal but every year it seems like you should go out and shoot a doe right away just to yep. get the jitters out, get the confidence up. You know,
0: I do that's how I feel. You seem to move me. a
1: lot too. And so, if you can, you know, that first time just be dialed in, ready to go, it's tough. for sure the mental game.
0: It is too. I like, I, I break the ice on a dough, I try to, mm-hmm. but yeah. I'm the same way. And plus, I'm sentimental a little bit, not sentimental, superstitious, maybe more is the term where I I get a new bow. And I'm like, I have to make sure it's capable. Like I had to break it <laughs> in, but we already did that in Africa. So maybe I'll be a little more calm when I go on the elk hunt and go on my first yeah, flight. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Well, cool, man. Well, this is a new... ton of fun. Yeah. We'll have to do it uh, again.
1: So in the new Matthews uh, this year. And so yeah. I haven't broke that one in on an animal. It might be a cow elk.
0: Well, that'd be perfect. That'd be a great way Hopefully. to start it off. Well, cool. I'm open. I have a big bull elk to run by you. Uh, when I drive through Nebraska on the way home, so we'll keep in touch, man. Best of luck to you. I feel like we should keep talking for another two hours this episode. Oh, we fly. Could. Well, easy, easy, but we'll, we'll get you guys in the studio or I'll talk to you at your guys's home base on the way home and, and we'll make it happen. So let's do it. Where can people find you?
1: So Instagram, Brian, we underscore jury outdoors, uh, Facebook page. Um, just critical mass on the outdoor channel, Tuesday nights, 9
0: 30 Central. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening, watching, supporting us here on Deercast. We appreciate it all. And uh I think people want Mark Drury to host all of our podcasts now after last week's episode. So thanks for the feedback on that, guys. And you know what to do. Go shoot a giant. Appreciate you guys.